Hi, this is Brian Roig. And my name is Cyril War. Welcome to the Shaping Spirit podcast. We're just a couple of California guys who collected a bunch of academic degrees, studied spirituality all over the world, bringing it right back here to you. And our topic for today, Cyril? Well, I think we decided on accountability. I love it. I love accountability. Yeah, you seem pretty... You sound pretty enthusiastic about the topic. So go ahead, share with us your uh, your thoughts and realizations. Well, so here's the thing. It, it is, I think in this digital age, it is incredibly difficult to hold ourselves accountable to literally anything because we have so many distractions. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I, I would agree. I would ask before though, mm. Like, to, let, let's define terms. Like, account, what is accountability and accountability to who and on, 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 on what grounds and, like, accountability for what? So I think we would have to just set the playing field as accountability to ourselves for our spiritual growth, right? And setting our, uh, you know, in our last podcast, we were talking about building our, you know, our, our spiritual muscles, right? And how we're yeah. developing that that process of spiritual exercise. So now we have to hold ourselves accountable to how we build our spiritual muscles. I think it's like kind of like the natural progression in the conversation, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, yeah, it's a good point. If you make a, a commitment to, just for example, to you know wake up at 6.30 instead of 7.30 so you can do a, you know, a half hour of meditation and you make that determination, you decide that, then yeah, you got to, hold yourself accountable to, to keep doing that, right? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think where we get with sidetracked with accountability is we tend to procrastinate and our enthusiasm tends to wane. And one thing I wanted to bring up, I kind of wanted to launch this with what I consider the three Ds of accountability. Again, I'll say that the three Ds of accountability, and here they are. Discipline, determination, and direction. The three Ds of accountability, discipline, determination, and direction. So we can just start by kind of unwrapping each of these little presents here and uh, kind of explore it a little bit and take a deep dive into what they mean. So let's start with discipline. I think that's kind of subjective to everyone, but ultimately when we are creating our own sense of personal accountability, we have to set a baseline of discipline. So what would that look like? Well, I, I think I kind of give a, a, a good example. It's, it's flexing our spiritual muscles, building our spiritual muscles, developing a spiritual life involves, uh, involves as we both agree, and we would hope the hearer agrees, not just a question of a belief in a particular you know, spiritual paradigm or worldview, but an actual <clears throat> accompanying, excuse me, an accompanying uh, practice of some type of a daily spiritual practice, right? Mm -hmm. Which involves to some certain degree, um, you know, some sort of self-control, self some sort of restraint for a higher spiritual goal, right? Some sort of, well, yeah, I mean, discipline means exactly that. Like I'm gonna, I'm not gonna eat, you know, I don't know, junk food the night before 
the Super Bowl, if I'm, you know, um, a, cor- a, a part of the of, of, of one of the teams in the final, mm-hmm. right? So discipline is tantamount to self-control for the sake of spiritual emancipation, regardless of whatever that may be. So, yeah, you discipline. Spirituality involves discipline, and therefore, I totally agree. Like we have to be accountable to the, you know, the decisions we take, the reasonable, right? As we were talking last time, the rational, reasonable, uh, sustainable over a lifetime uh, decisions we make in terms of discipline and self-control for the sake of a higher, you know, sublimation. Right. Um, Yeah, those are really good points. I think we would have to kind of organize our sense of discipline based on what we know is achievable for ourselves. And the reason why is I, I think in order to really have a deep sense of accountability and to maintain consistent discipline, we have to have consistent enthusiasm. And if we are too punitive in our discipline, we're not going to be enthusiastic and we're not going to continue our practice. You mean punitive against ourselves when we don't live up to what we told ourselves we would? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we have to, in a sense, have... um, a certain amount of flexibility in our discipline, but know what our baseline is and say, okay, here's my threshold. I know I'm not going to go below this. As an example, let's just kind of unravel this a little bit further. Maybe part of your discipline as you're growing your spiritual practice is you're going to drink less alcohol. Okay. I think everyone can agree that when you're at the point of intoxication, your mental faculties wane and you don't have uh, as much clarity. And obviously, when we're trying to develop our spiritual practice, we need as much clarity as possible. So maybe part of our commitment would, would be, you know, in terms of creating our own discipline, you know, let's say I don't have the current ability to stop drinking completely. Maybe I can say, all right, I'm just going to have a glass of wine with dinner once a week, and this is how I'm going to start my discipline. And I think maybe that's a really good uh, launching pad. I remember uh, many, many, many years ago, uh, there was some people that they, they had a spiritual teacher that had come from the East, and they were working hard to build this little spiritual center f- with him. And he was a little old man, came from the, the, from the Far East on a boat all by himself, which was crazy. But his students... He, he came into the room where his students were cleaning and making this spiritual center, and he found a pack of cigarettes on top of one of the, the, the areas they were working, and he kicked him off. He's like, you know how you can do better with the cigarettes? Smoke one less a day. And I thought that was such a beautiful thing. That was so simple, but it was so rational and so... Um, Reasonable. So reasonable. So competent and so reasonable. Smoke one less cigarette a day. That's it. Since we're on the topic here, Mm -hmm. because you brought up the, you did bring up the topic of, you know, uh, not being able to live up to a standard that we both, you know, that not not that we both, that we, you know, not impose, but that we decide for ourselves individually, 
right? And that's where I'd like to go on a tangent on the topic of, of accountability, not to ourselves. I mean, accountability to ourselves via someone else. <clears throat> and that's where you have these support groups or you have someone, you know, there are a lot of people who take their spiritual life seriously mm -hmm. and who are convinced that, as you said, for example, you know, drinking alcohol is, is not helping their spiritual growth. On the contrary, it's stunting it. But because of, you know, some past bad habits or, you know, I don't know, maybe mild to strong addiction may have a hard time to, you know, to follow the, the ideal, let's say, path that they chose for themselves, right? Mm -hmm. so, so that's why there's this thing about having accountability partners. Yes. And I think that, I mean, I, I really think that re really, really works. You know, that really, really works. Like, so if someone, for example, is addicted to pornography, you know, and, and believes that watching pornography is not good for his or her spiritual life, then, you know, it's really cool that in, in today's society, there's, uh, there's companies that actually provide like software where, you know, someone can be, Can, can choose an accountability partner who hopefully, you know, is less <laughs> prone to, to, to have weaknesses towards this particular vice, for example. Mm -hmm. And, um, <clears throat> and then with the help of, of this accountability partner and, you know, a certain AI system that's, that's installed on one's computer, then that person um, is no longer alone. And, and has accountability partners. So, so, so then we're not, no longer talking about accountability towards oneself, but accountability towards, you know, accountability partners that we've chosen. And that antes up the whole thing because now all of a sudden, you know, you're no longer alone. You've got a, you know, you've got two or three or whatever well-wishing friends who will lovingly, lovingly without judging, call you out lovingly, you know, in a helpful, positive way uh, on, on your slip-ups. So there's really something to be said about accountability, sort of a, not public accountability, but it's like semi-public accountability. Yeah, like a, I, I understand what you're saying, like an interpersonal accountability. I think the way that that would work successfully is you have to have the trust in that accountability partner and both of you being willing to be vulnerable with each other, right? Because that vulnerability and that sense of openness to say, here are my weaknesses, here's the level of uh, discipline that I'm trying to achieve and I need your help, um, that's, that's a lot of work. And it's definitely possible and I do think that that would definitely help anyone who's on the spiritual path trying to grow. Definitely think it's a worthwhile endeavor. You just have to choose that accountability partner wisely, right? Yeah. <laughs> And I, I think that kind of then flows into the next part of the three Ds, which is determination. Because uh, people come and go and our enthusiasm will come and go, right? There's going to be you often say that, Ryan. Yeah. And so, you know, we have to be determined. So how do we maintain our own determination in terms of holding ourselves accountable, right? There mm. has to be, we, we talked before in the previous podcast about faith versus works, right? And I think there's a very delicate balance 
you know, to, I think it was old Monty Python saying there's a very fine line between clever and stupid. There's a very fine <laughs> line between, <laughs> you know, balancing between faith and works in terms of developing our determination in holding ourselves accountable, right? Because we have to have a deep sense of faith in our practice that it is going to get us to the next level. Right. But at the and that faith, yeah. but, but sorry, go ahead. But at the same time, it's not just a belief, it's an action, right? So it's just like, what's a, I, what is it, an adverb? I can't remember like all the nuances of the English language, even though I speak it. <laughs> but, you know, we have to have the, the sense, the feeling, but also we have to have a commitment to action. And we have to be determined to move and work and build our discipline, right? It's an action. It's not just sitting around going, oh, I have faith that it's all going to work itself out. No. What are you, what are you doing to make it work? Right? This is where I would claim that those spiritual traditions that have some sort of sacred scripture mm -hmm. as a foundation, as, as an epistemological, as epistemolo epistemological foundation, mm -hmm. kind of have an edge and an advantage. And I'll tell you why. Because scripture, you know, theoretically, I'm not making a truth claim here, okay? But scripture is allegedly, right, uh, revealed by the divine, whether it be whatever, you know, whether famous world scripture. Um, and, and, and people who follow the tradition which holds X scripture as, you know, divine, have a constant opportunity to go to the source, which is scripture, mm -hmm. and fill their cup, as Christians would say, you know, and fill their spirit and get inspired. And, and then that's where that inspiration, that's where that determination comes, right? Maybe not only in, in, in scripture, but for example, in fellowship also and, and in one's practice. But, you know, it's kind of like a catch-22. You have a practice, but in order to have the determination to have that practice, you have to have faith. And where do you get that faith from? Well, you get it from people who have as much, if not more faith than you do. So by hanging out with them, their faith, you know, rubs off on you. And secondly, you get it from scripture. So whether, you know, whatever, like Quran, Bible, the Vedas, um, Torah, you know, mm -hmm. and that, that builds your faith, that builds your determination. Wouldn't you say that that's a, gr a very important factor in, in developing that determination to be accountable? Yeah, I do. Um, I will... Um, qualify. Qualify that. Yes, thank you. <laughs> you pulled it right out of my brain. I will qualify that by saying that it should uh, foster enthusiasm within. If you're reading something that has a negative connotation or it's browbeating you in a particular way where it re only resonates with you negatively, then look for something else. Yeah, for sure. Right? Scripture should inspire. It you. should inspire because I've read things over the years uh, that I found to be incredibly negative, different supposed scriptures or books or whatever that other people found inspiring. I thought to be so completely negative and like downer. So I was like, why would anybody want to be a part of this? And why would anybody want to read this? It was horrible. So I kind of really had to follow my own path and find things that worked for me because I wanted to have a, a sense of contagious enthusiasm, right? 
and where I was just like, man, I was excited to practice every day. I was excited to work on my personal spiritual development every day, right? I was determined. I was hell-bent on finding my path because I wanted something unique for me that resonated with me. And as we talked about before in a previous podcast, I in no way was going to succumb to any type of spiritual peer pressure. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important that everybody go out and explore and find the thing that resonates with them that builds your frequency of positivity and love. And that's really the litmus test, right? That positivity and love to where it builds your determination to where you have a strong foundation of your discipline. Then that's what gets us into the third D, right? Which is direction. What direction is this taking us? Right? Is it? You just said it. You just <laughs> exactly. said it. The litmus test. <laughs> There's the litmus test. Is it taking us in that positive direction where it's enabling us to be accountable on a positive level? Or is it pulling us in a negative direction where the accountability becomes hostile or negative or we become depressed in our practice or we become so alienated or we're surrounded by people that make us feel bad? Right? I don't think anybody wants that, but sometimes we live these lives of codependency or we're engaged in some type of family life where we're like, oh, well, my parents always did it this way, so I have to do it this way. But I had a horrible, terrible childhood and home life and I was miserable. Why would you continue that? You know? Do you think, do you think this thing about, you know, well, this is how my parents do it, did it, and so I have to continue doing it like that. Do you think that's still relevant in today's society where there's, as, as we know, we mentioned last time, there's so many people who are like in the category of the nuns, mm -hmm. you know, who don't belong to any one or other uh, affiliation or congregation? I think... In America, just think this is, is that still a... Well, there's a difference between relevancy and actuality. Whether, whether or not it's important, I think is irrelevant. But whether or not it still exists, that, that's... that's uh, wholly acceptable. It, it, it's there. And I think that people have uh, this, how do I explain this? This inner child that still kind of makes them feel a, a, accountable to the wrong people. You're not accountable to your oppressors, so to speak. If you grew up in an abusive home, you are not accountable to dirty, evil people. If you grew up in a negative environment, a negative neighborhood, a gang-filled neighborhood, you are not accountable to toxicity. You are accountable to yourself and whatever, how you describe your higher power to be uplifting and give to others and, and uplift other spirits. To add another example, you're not even accountable to <clears throat> that particular tradition as positive as it may be yeah. that you grew up in. Yeah. If it doesn't, doesn't have to be negative. No, if it doesn't resonate you with you, it doesn't. Two weeks ago, I was in Tunis, right? Tunis, Tunisia, mm. right? I was meeting a friend there for three days. And, um, and you know, Tunis is like, is, is, is Tunisia. And it's one of the, you know, one of the Muslim countries of the world. It's one of the most liberal ones from what I heard. But it's still a, a very Islamic state, right? Mm. And there... You know, you've got some churches and you know, I don't think you have any like, I don't know if you have any synagogues or, or you know, Hindu temples, but, you know, th there's this certain tolerance that's allowed for people from other faiths to practice, right? Mm -hmm. But there's this rule 
it's like this famous rule that, you know, okay, let's say if you're a Christian and you're in this country, you're allowed, you know, we'll, we won't bug you. You can practice and believe what you want, but you are not, it's against the law for you to speak to another citizen of Tunisia who's from a Muslim background and tell him about, you know, tell him about your religion. Wow. That's like a big no, no. Right. So I remember I was in, in the car in a car ride with this friend and, and, and I was saying, listen, like, I remember the, the car drive, the taxi driver was kind of like eavesdropping because he, he thought, I guess it was interesting. Hmm. And I was like, look, you know, there's a disadvantage in, uh, there's no, there's a, the, the downside to a sort of a freedom of a freedom of speech, freedom of religion type of democratic society, which I would claim exists to a great, great degree in America. The downside of that is all sorts of crazy shit can enter into the mix and, you know, deviate people from from righteousness or from noble behavior into like crazy perverted just insane stuff that you know passes on in the name of of spirituality or not even you know what i mean Mm -hmm. but but the good side of it is that you have the right like you have the right to choose whatever spiritual tradition resonates with you on the you know at the marketplace of world religions Right. Yeah. And, and, and my friend was like, wow, you know, that, 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 you know, they, they, I remember the taxi driver and my friend, they were both like kind of nodding and like, wow, that, that sounds pretty cool, you know? So even if you, if you, if you're brought up, cause I, you know, I don't want to put down Islam. There's, I think there's a lot of great stuff in Islam, but you know, if, if you're, let's say brought up in an Islamic country, you are not accountable, I believe to follow Islam. Mm-hmm. Don't, wouldn't you agree? I, I, I do. I just think, again, it, it, it goes back to this concept of spiritual peer pressure. Right. When you are in an environment where everybody around you is saying, you're this and this is all you will ever be, you cannot be anything else but this. Otherwise, you know, you will be ostracized from your community or worse. I think that that's um, scary. But it's, it's very prevalent around different parts of the world. So, you know, we have to be very careful in terms of how we express our spiritual inclination to others, right? So that we can... Say that again? We Say have that to again? be careful in terms of how we express our spiritual inclination to others. Okay. Because I think people find it threatening, if you do not believe, think about this. If you do not believe what somebody else believes, if they are people of weak faith or of are misguided, they will become aggressive. I don't know if I ever told you this story. One time I got attacked with a shopping cart outside of a grocery store. For what? For a guy because I didn't want uh, to take a copy of his Bible. And he was asking me, yeah, he was asking me these questions. He's like, I need you to stop right now. And I'm just trying to walk into the store to get something. He's just like, I need you right now to stand here and admit that you, you will be saved that, by Jesus Christ. I'm like, no, I, you're a I can't sinner. do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm a sinner and I need to be saved by Jesus Christ. I'm like, sorry, I can't do that. I go, <laughs> I wish you the best on your mission in life, but I'm not going to do that. He's like, how dare you reject Jesus? And he literally pulls out a shopping cart from the rack and starts trying to ram it into me as I'm walking into the store. And I'm just kind of laughing about it. And, you know, I walked in. I was just like, I, I just, I, I'm not going to, 
you know, do anything to this guy. You know, I, I'm a trained fighter. If I did something to this guy, it wouldn't be pretty for him. So I had some compassion for his misguidedness and his, his weak faith. I come out of the store like 15 minutes later, and he said, oh, he's I, still there. He's still there, and he wants to apologize to me. I'm so sorry. Oh, okay. I didn't mean to attack you. I hope I didn't hurt you with the shopping cart. I'm like, it's all good. I'm like, it, it, I wasn't going to let it escalate, but it's cool. I go, just do your thing, man. He's like, but you have to admit, you do know you're going to hell, right? Because you <laughs> haven't admitted yet, again. and he's starting up again. I said, thanks for the blessing. See you in hell, my friend. And then I just kind of like went off from there. Uh, but th this is the type of stuff that you kind of get from people. So uh, we have to make sure that we are not in a position where we are sharing our spiritual inclination with the wrong people because it could dampen our personal enthusiasm and we could lose our own personal accountability because mm you get this negative talk saying you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. Well, why can't you get loaded with me tonight? Who cares about, you can save your meditation for another day. Come on, let's go out and get blitzed at this nightclub. Yeah. Just right. kind of a couple bumps of Coke and we're cool. Come on, buddy. <laughs> you know, it's just like, but no, I'm trying to clean up my act. You know, maybe I'm over that. Maybe I want to do something new. Maybe I don't want to get, you know, blacked out drunk every weekend. You know, maybe I want to start a meditation and start reading some spiritual books. So you have to kind of be careful about that because you cannot, you know, it's the holding yourself accountable. And to your point, if you don't have an accountability partner, even if you do, it's a very sensitive thing, you know, and there's a way to build accountability through consistency. And that's baby steps. Are you, mm. Cyril, are you familiar with the Kaizen method? No, no. Tell us about it. Okay. So what the Kaizen method is, is this comes from Japan. Jewish or Japanese? Japanese, Japanese. So Kaizen, K-A-I-Z-E-N. Kaizen. Sounds kind of Jewish and Japanese. <laughs> so, so the cool thing about the Kaizen method is it's a sense of developing personal pride with individuals and particularly workers at the time. Toyota was... A, um, big proponents of this for years, like 40 years, uh, Toyota has implemented, been implementing the Kaizen method. And so what do they it, still do that today? Still do it today. And it's, it's, they, this is one of the foundational tenets of why they feel they are so successful. And basically what it is, is it teaches personal accountability and personal responsibility and to take pride in micro achievements. So instead of looking at a giant goal, you know, and saying, okay, uh, you know, I want to be this well read. I want to have this particular spiritual book memorized with every verse at the, by the end of the year, never going to happen. But if you're able to create a sense of accountability where you have micro improvements saying, I'm going to read one verse a day, right? And then after that, I'm going to meditate on that verse for five minutes then you build from there. So then you create a micro improvement. So you go, okay, the next day, maybe I'll read two verses or the next week, maybe I'll read two verses and then contemplate for 10 minutes. So over time, you're building strength and you're building the foundation, okay? And so that consistency is what creates personal accountability because then all of a sudden, the individual, say for our, set, uh, our, our discussion here, our personal spiritual practitioner will be able to have a sense of pride 
in holding themselves accountable because they've been able to have micro wins and micro achievements over Mic- time. Micro successes, yeah. Yes, and then that's what builds and creates something larger, and that's what creates the bigger win. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you're a completely different person. You're far more developed than you were at the beginning. And you're selling way more Hondas. Toyotas. Yeah, it was like... Tons more money yeah, for the corporation. Yeah. Yeah. So no, I'm kidding. I mean, I, I understand your point. Yeah. It's applicable to, yeah, to everything. Everyone. Yeah. And I, I, I've used it. I've used it as training techniques uh, for my students. Uh, we implement the Kaizen method every month in terms of how I teach, you know, uh, in my classes. And I think it's it's very relevant and it's applicable to everything, including our spiritual growth. You know, mm-hmm. so taking micro achievements and looking at micro improvements. What can I do better today? than what I did yesterday. Take one little thing. Let's say, okay, I have, uh, you know, some prayer beads or something. Are my prayer beads clean? (laughs) How often do I wash my prayer beads, as an example? Mm -hmm. How often do I dust my spiritual books? How often am I clean keeping clean my area that is my little what we've talked about before my little sacred space dust my spiritual books that's 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 too i'm sorry that's just dude you got to open those books i'm sorry dusting them man that's like come on dust them up it depends on how many you have okay what if you have a whole library okay okay granted if you got a little whole library let's say you've got one and like your achievement is dusting it once in a while, dude, you, you, you got to put in a little bit more oh, effort. Oh, of course. Man. Yeah, that goes without saying. But I'm saying if somebody has a library like me, I mean, I have hundreds of books. I can't, you know, the best I can do is make sure they're dusted clean and pull something out at the random when I have time, hmm. you know. Yeah, it sounds good. But The Kaizen method. Yeah, the Kaizen method. And that's going to help you develop a sense of consistency so that you can continue to build accountability. And that's where like this notion, I would say, of vows come in. Yeah. You know, you look at every spiritual tradition, there's this notion of vows, whether you're a monk or whether you're part of a, a congregation, you know, you're like, you're not, you know, you're secular or in the sense that you, you're in the world, you know. So whether you're like in a monastic monastic life or uh, whether you're like, you know, paying your taxes in the world with your job and your, your family and everything. Mm-hmm. In every tradition, I think we, we could find this notion of, of vows that are taken, you know, I vow to whatever, to, I mean, whatever, you know, just, again, I like to use Christian examples. So I don't know if you're a Catholic, you kind of, you take a vow to, um, I'm not, you know, well, I, I would personally, I think it's a cool thing, but I'm not, I'm not saying, you know, our hearers should ascribe to this. But for example, you know, if you're a Catholic you, or you convert to Catholicism or you take your, your communion or your confirmation, then you, you sort of make a vow to, you know, to be loyal to your wife or to your husband, to not have, you know, extramarital sex, mm. to not cheat, you know, to be, yeah, to be faithful, right, as an example. Mm. So, so there's, I think there's something to be said about vow take, vow taking and accountability. And, and perhaps, perhaps this culture of taking vows, um, helps one to make our accountability more visible and concrete, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and practical. 
So then how do we measure the vows to make sure we're not biting off more than we can chew? <laughs> That's a great question. But would you say, I, I would just venture, you, you ask people who have more experience than you in that particular tradition. Yeah. And ask them their opinion whether it's too much than you can chew, right? Yeah. What else would you recommend? I, I think that a lot of it is it's self-assessment. Right. You have to be I think that you have to be very honest with yourself. And a lot of times people aren't where they say, oh, I can do this. Yeah, that's no problem. I can do that. And then all of a sudden they do it and they're like, wait a minute, I'm doing this. Every, I'm doing it like this every day. You know, I mean, if you made a vow for your to yourself, as an example, we've talked about this before, where you're committing five minutes in the morning to some type of spiritual contemplation or prayer or meditation I don't think that's unreasonable. You don't think that's unreasonable. I know people for a fact that think that that five minutes in the morning is too much for them. Because I've like worked with people and like high level executives where they go, okay, well, teach me this type of meditation technique. I want to be able to do this. I'm like, okay, can you give me five minutes in the morning? Yeah, 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 I can do that. Next thing you know, like when I, I'm trying to hold them accountable. Hey, how's it been going? Have you been able to do that? Oh, I haven't done it for about a month and a half. Yeah, sorry I got so busy. Well, why can't you do it first thing in the morning for the five minutes like we talked about? Well, I get up and then I'm automatically checking my work emails and I've got all this stuff and I'm rushing to the office. And I'm like, dude, you can't. You know, that's where I think, you know, you've kind of brought this up a few times now uh, over the course of our, our, our series is, you know, there's different apps and whatnot where you can like kind of shut off the technology to a degree and have it on a timer, but do something, you know, there's already studies that show you shouldn't be using any type of social media or anything like that between the hours of 11 PM. And I think 4 AM it's either 11 to four or 11 to six, something like that. So you have to give your, your body time to reset and adjust. Right. And, and just let it be. And your consciousness. Let your con let your consciousness be clear. The first thing in the morning, just sit up, smile, and say, "Okay, I'm breathing." Let's sit down for for just a quick prayer, five minutes. Okay, let's say you got to go to the toilet. Great, run to the toilet. As soon as you're done with the toilet, sit down. Don't just you know you know there, you've heard this saying. Don't just uh, sit there, do something. Yeah. So in the morning, how about don't just do something, sit there. <laughs> let's yeah, flip nice. it right don't just do something sit there five minutes that's all we ask five minutes to yourself remember this isn't for us this isn't for your spouse this isn't for your best friend this isn't for your kids this isn't for your boss this is for you and for those who want to do more than five minutes you know i would recommend yeah totally do 20 minutes do a half hour you know yeah. Do some serious reading of scripture. Do some serious prayers. Do some serious, I don't know, mantra chanting. Do some serious meditation, right? Yeah. <clears throat> there's connect there's, with, with, your, with your spiritual source. Yeah, absolutely. There has to be something there where you can plug in because at the end of the day, you know, if you're using any type of rechargeable battery source, like my rechargeable toothbrush, my battery-powered toothbrush, I have to plug it in. It's got to charge in order for it to work. Well, we're the same thing, right? We have to charge our spiritual batteries. We have to be able to do this. 
And, you know, we've talked about this. If you can't do it all in the morning, don't do it all in the morning. Split it up throughout the day. Do five minutes here. Do five minutes there. Put yourself on a timer. There's a great app that I like to use. It's called Insight Timer. And the reason why I like this app, I don't know if you've heard of this one, is it's got different, um, like, Tibetan bowls on it. So different bells according to the chakras. So it's got like okay. the heart chakra, the you know the head chakra, like all the different chakras. It's got these different bowls, and they have different tones to them. So I have one that I wake up with in the morning. So it's like a little dung, dung. Really? dung. I love it because huh? it wakes me up peacefully. Because I first of all I hate alarms, and so I've never been a fan of these like you know conventional alarms and stuff like this. So this wakes me up in almost like a Zen mood. I'm like, oh, that's so nice. I wake up a little bit more peaceful, even though I didn't want to wake up that early anyways. Then I go wash my face and then start start what I need to start, right? Hmm. So try something like that where you can go and just create your own interval and do something. Listen to something. You know, look, you're listening to us. Listen to something spiritual for five minutes in the morning. If you can't. Or more. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but start. But the reason, the thing is, is like start small. Right. This is right. the whole thing. Like when we are creating a sense of accountability and we're thinking, like I said, we've talked about the three D's, right? Discipline, determination, direction. We're trying to go forward in a positive direction. We need to be determined. We need to create a sense of enthusiasm. Start small and build, right? Kaizen method. Right. Build from the smallest win and then go from there. Yeah. Because without, <clears throat> without accountability, you may, you know, you may cheat yourself. Right, you may cheat yourself and fall into that paradigm that so many p people fall into, where your mind literally tricks you into thinking that you're really spiritual, when actually you're a lot less than you think you are. Right? Yeah, it, that's what. Remember, we were talking about in the previous podcast about well, what's our measurement for our growth, or well, one of which is what does your humility stick look like? Right. You know, the more you learn the more you should be able to acknowledge that you don't know. And if you're the opposite where you go, oh, I've learned everything, I know everything, guess what? <laughs> Somebody needs to spank you with that humility stick because you're not getting it. You are not growing. Right. If you think you know everything, you are not growing. Right. You know, and there should also be, when you're holding yourself accountable, think about the sense of like, what, what, what degree of compassion have you, have you given to others today? Not like, oh, I'm going to be nice to somebody tomorrow. Well, what can you do today to show compassion and empathy and love? Right? Hold yourself accountable to be understanding and empathetic. That's another part of accountability, right? Not just in like, okay, my meditation technique or my, my spiritual reading, but how do we then hold ourselves accountable to being empathetic to others, to really truly being understanding and to be listeners, active listeners, not just hear what somebody's saying and then blow it off to jump all over them in a conversation. But if somebody is really having a tough time, are you, are you invested enough and empathetic enough to listen to what they're saying and be there for them and like kind of spiritually hold their hand through their process of what they're going through? That's another form of accountability. Hmm. To be accountable to others. Yeah. Yeah, just like, you know, like in, 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 in what's it called? Um, like Alcoholics Anonymous, like what is it? Seven steps? How many? Uh, 12 steps. I think it's 12 steps. 12 steps. Yeah. The 12 step thing. 
you, you know, when you've gone through the program, then you kind of remain accountable to the program by becoming a sponsor for others, right? And in that sense, you're, you're, you're accountable to the principle of accountability and to the, to the, to the mission, so to speak, of, for example, in this case of, you know, alcohol sobriety. Yeah. So yeah, it's a really nice way. I like that, you know, flipping it where at one point you, you become accountable, just like, you know, you're, you're a son or a daughter of a father and mother. And then after a while you become a father or a mother yourself. And then you become accountable to your kids in the sense that now, you know, you, you, you have that duty and you feel responsible to, to give your kids the best possible life, you know? Right. Yeah. Very nice point. And, right. and that also then starts to dovetail into developing a strong moral character, right? Hmm. Now we're all going to have different uh, degrees or shades of morality in terms of developing our character on the morality spectrum. And I'm not here trying to tell anybody to be the morality police. That is not, that's not our goal here to be the morality police, but you have to determine, okay, there are certain, I believe, and I, I'm sure you believe Cyril as well. There's certain universal truths in terms of moral character, which is higher than others, right? Nonviolence, I think, can be to, to a large degree applicable to so many things. The, the, the sense of nonviolence in terms of nonviolence with our words, our actions to others, being peaceful, being loving, right? Um, that's a key one right there in terms of how we're developing our character. Because like you said, when you go from being a child to a parent... Boy, that is a lot of responsibility. You're accountable mm -hmm. for your actions. Right. You are accountable for your words. You are accountable for every little thing that you do because kids are, kids are watching and they are very, very observant. So when there's contradictions, they know it first. <laughs> right, right. Fantastic. <clears throat> So, yeah, I, I just think that we all have to really make sure that we are developing ourselves, right? We have to be focused, maintain a sense of focus and enthusiasm, right? If we, if we kind of like wrap this up in a way, in a nice little bow, follow the three Ds, discipline, determination, and direction, right? Enthu remember that enthusiasm is contagious. So the, you want to be able to be enthusiastic so that you, it's like a little circle, you know, this little circle that goes around and around. Consistency and enthusiasm. Consistency and enthusiasm. We're going to build that consistency typically through something like the Kaizen method, which we start a little bit at a time, and celebrate the micro-achievements. We need to celebrate the micro-achievements in terms of how we're holding ourselves accountable and how we're developing our spirit, spiritual practice. What else? I think you said it all, Mr. Brian Roy. <laughs> I think you said it all and I, and I agree yeah I don't think there's anything to add you know I think we've, we've yeah accountability important and we should all you know take accountability seriously like you said you know we shouldn't we, we shouldn't you know hammer ourselves on our head we shouldn't like you know like f what's it called you know those Catholic <clears throat> pre uh, monks who like 
who are like auto the flogging they like do that self flogging where they whip yeah, themselves in the back yeah, right? yeah yeah it's crazy so like we shouldn't you know flog ourselves because because uh you know we're not up to par with the uh with the standards that we've you know we're trying to be accountable to ourselves and to others you know to or about um, but at the same time, we should continue, continue with it with perseverance and, 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 and we should continue trying to be accountable, you know, for whatever standards we set for ourselves right. and, and continue hoping, you know, for, for grace to, to continue coming our way. Love it. Love it. I think that's great. Well, thank you all for listening. And Cyril, how do they find us? How do they reach out to us? Well, we've got uh, our own website, right? Shapingspiritpodcast.com. And you can write to us at shapingspiritpodcast at gmail.com. Awesome. <laughs> and you are not your body, ladies and gentlemen. We are not matter, but we matter. Exactly. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next time. <laughs>